0: When Avram Avinu dispatches Eliezer to find a wife for Yitzchak, he says, May Hashem be with you, Hashem, God of the heavens, who took me from my father's home. Yet previously, when he made Eliezer swear that he would find the appropriate wife for Yitzchak, then he said, God of the heavens and of the earth. Rashi points out there's a difference here, and that difference is because originally, when Avram Avinu began his journey leaving his father's home, at that point... Only in heaven did they know about Hashem. But now Avram Avinu had made Hashem into a household name throughout the entire world. Now there are a few questions we're going to ask about Rashi's interpretation and the details of how he teaches it to us. What in fact is the difference between these two expressions and what lesson does it teach us particularly about what Avram Avinu intended for the correct wife for Yitzchak? So, on the pasuk we have Avram speaking to Eliezer, commenting on the pasuk where Avram is speaking to Eliezer, and he says, "Hashem elokei Hashemai, mashelokochanim beisavi, meheretz melati goimer." God of the heavens who took me from my father's home and from my birthplace. Pirush Rashi, Rashi says, "What does it say there?" Hashem elokei Hashemai, mashelokochanim beisavi, v'lo yomar elokei haretz. Look, in this pasuk, he only refers to Hashem as God of the heavens, not God of the earth. Whereas previously when he had made uh, uh, Eliezer take the oath, he said, swear to me in the name of God of heaven and earth. Why did he do that? Says Rashi Omaloi Avroma, when he was saying to Eliezer, At this point in time, Hashem is acknowledged both on high and on earth, because I made it normal that people should speak about Hashem, people became aware of Hashem. Avoke Shele Kochanim Baisabi, but when Hashem took me Lechlecha out of my father's home, then Hoyah Eleka Shamaim, Veloy Eleki Haoretz. At that point, he was only acknowledged as God of the heavens, not of earth. Shaloi Hoy Boy Bo'ai Ha'ilom Makirm Boy, Ushmoyloi Hoyo Rogil Boretz, because at that time, first of all, the people on earth did not recognize Hashem, and Hashem's name was not common on earth. Other Pashtus. If you read the Rashi simply, it would appear that Rashi is simply showing us two different psukim, two different expressions. Why the difference? In this pasuk, it does not say that Hashem is God of the earth, whereas of the Whereas the earlier pasuk said both God of the heaven and of earth. So Rashi is saying, why the disparity? And he explains him before Rashi, things have changed. That's what Avram is telling him. now everybody acknowledges Hashem because I've worked really hard at that. Which is great and makes a lot of sense. But it does raise for us four questions. We need to understand the following things. Aleph. What's the big difference? Our Pasuk only refers to Hashem as God of the heavens, and the earlier Pasuk referred to Him as God of the heavens and of the earth. So that's the difference, right? Now Rashi will always address whatever the difference, or whatever he plans to speak about in his headline. Safim Kain Madu Hatik Rashi Gamesateva Hashem Amura Gamba Posuk Shelamaila Vashbiacha Bashem. Why then does Hashem why then does Rashi say Hashem al-Kayashmaim? That word is the same. It's common to both Psukim. The previous Pasuk said, Vashbi Achob Bahashem alakashamaim. And here it says, El Hashemela Ke Hshamaim, El Really, all he wants to indicate surely is that there's El Aqeh Hashamaim Velakha's. And here it's only El Akaya Shamaim. Say just those two words in your headline. Number two, base. Surely, Rashi did not have to include the words that Hashem, who took me out of my father's home, because that's not what's being asked about over here. We're not asking, why did he take him out of his father's home, or why is that relevant here? We're asking, why are the words different between the two psukim. I will argue obviously Rashi wanted to include the words about how things were in his father's home because that will lead directly into his commentary that when he left home at that point Hashem was only acknowledged in heaven not on earth the truth is we're going to ask a question on that too but we'll get there number three Gimel why does Rashi have to spell out something that's actually quite obvious? You're quoting Tupsukim, our Posik that says, And you're referring back to the pasuk that said, We can see the difference. Why do you have to spell it out and say, And he did not say, You'll see that with your own eyes. The more logical way to have begun would have been to say, Quote the line, Hashem elekei ha and then comment, Ulamai lo'omar chulei, hey, look, previously he said, elekei ha-shomayim ve'elekei Now the fact that Rashi puts it this way and says, he did not say elekei ha builds an expectation. rashi, So Rashi insinuates that actually this pasuk should have said elekei ha-shomayim ve'elekei and we have to address why it doesn't say that. The fact that it should have said Elekei HaOretz is why Rashi is saying, Wow, this is strange. He didn't say those words. And then you could say, we have a fundamental question. Why does it not say Elekei over here? And that question is stronger when you remember that he previously said Elekei why is Rashi so convinced that it should have said Velekeha over here? Now, it would be a pretty poor argument to say, well, the reason it has to say Lakeha or over here is because it said the same thing previously. That's not a really good answer. And and Rashi's just kind of spelling out what we would have already known. Well, then we're back to square one. What are you teaching me that I don't know? I can see the difference between the two psukhim. So, obviously, one says it's in the other one only a and I'm wondering why. But if Rashi does have to, in fact, refer to and highlight the difference between the two psukhim, it appears that he's done it in the incorrect order, the opposite order to what would be logical. He should have said, Previously it said that I make you sway in the name of Hashem, who is Hashem on high and on earth. And then Rashi could say, and that's why we're surprised now that it doesn't say Lekei Rashi doesn't do that. He just leaps right in and says, doesn't say Lekei as if you would have expected it. And lastly, number four, number four, Rashi illustrates where you see the difference between the two languages, right? He says, He tells us, remember, previously he said, That's like a placeholder. Now, it's very strange. He tells us where to find the difference, but he doesn't actually tell us the words that are different. He just puts in cetera, And we should work out what's missing. You're, you're showing us a very glaring difference. There it says, And here it just says, And you don't even tell me that that's the glaring difference. But that actually makes a double uh, surprise for us. The key words, which launch the question, because, hey, what happened to over here? Rashi doesn't quote those words. And then the word that you should swear, that's not part of the question. That heretic, that Rashi didn't actually include? It's strange. You're telling me Rashi is there to teach me which pasuk I'm referring to. But the minute, Rashi says, and previously he said it, okay, it's, I know which Pasuk you're talking about. <laughs> the two Pasukim are consecutive. There's just a gap of three Pasukim between them. So it's not hard for me to know where I'm referring to. So it's bizarre Rashi's referring me to a Pasuk by using the word Vashbiachot that he doesn't plan to explain because it's not relevant to the question. And the words that are relevant to the question, he skips altogether. It's very strange. All right. Let's try and understand one attempted answer. Perhaps we could really squeeze in an answer that at least will address the final two questions. Maybe what Rashi is saying is that the whole thrust of all the questions emerge from the fact that Avram says, I make you sweat. In our pasuk. When Avram is speaking in our Pasuk and making a promise to Eliezer and his promise is, What's the promise? That don't worry, Hashem will send you a Malach and he will guide you and you'll be able to find the appropriate wife to bring home for my son. Seeing as the context is, we're trying to have an impact on the world to physically, practically bring back a wife. You would expect that the pastor would say, because God is the God of the earth. Maybe that's the question. Here we're talking about Hashem's impact on this physical world, that he will send you the Malach to grant you success, yet it doesn't speak about Hashem being powerful on this world. Mashenk in the Mailam of Geimer. whereas the previous Pasuk was talking about the promise that Eliezer has to make, in a Shamadububoy de Seliezer. there it is Avram Avinu Tying Eliezer into an oath. What is the oath? Don't take a Canaanite as a wife for my son, but rather go back to where I come from. Who's he talking about? Who's he talking to? He's talking to Eliezer, his chief servant slash student. Who has the nickname Damasek because he is the one who is able to convey Avraham Avinu's teachings to everybody else. So you're talking about a spiritual person. You're talking to such a spiritual person. Tell him that Hashem is a lekei That's enough for him. And yet the psukim say the opposite. When Avram Avin is talking about the oath to Eliezer, his chief student. Then he adds that Hashem is God of the earth, which does not seem important at this point. Whereas in our passage where he's talking about go out and actually impact the world and succeed in your mission in the physical realm, that's where you would want to hear that Hashem has dominion over the earth. He doesn't say anything. Maybe that's what's bothering Rashi. Okay, sounds like a beautiful explanation. But it is problematic. firstly, it only addresses two out of the four questions. But if this was Rashi's intention to distinguish between when you're speaking the language of promises to a spiritual person versus the language of um, an assurance that a physical activity will succeed, if that's what Rashi wants to highlight, he should have at least used the words that tell us that this pasuk is talking about the physical activity, that you will bring back a bride physically, practically. Well, Kolpon and the Ramseh by at the very least put in etc. to allude to the fact, if that's what you believe the whole question is built on, so it must be that that's actually not what's bothering Russia, And we're back to square one. And clearly what seems to bother Rashi is why does the one Pasuk say, okay, I I it? And our Pasuk only says, Lekeha, okay, what's going on over here? And we have all the other questions about why is Rashi getting into so much detail if he's just simply trying to tell us something that uh, we would have noticed on our own. Now, besides that, there are certain details within Rashi's uh, uh, commentary that we have to understand too. Various things that Rashi presents that we have to understand. If Rashi's intention is, which would have been our first understanding, you know, it's the, the simplest understanding, that what does Rashi want to tell us? The fact that there are different expressions. That the earlier apostle referred to Hashem as God of heaven and earth, whereas here it's only talking about God on earth. If what the purpose of that was that that Rashi wanted to make, uh, sorry, that Avram Abinu wanted to make a big distinction how things were and how they are. That now Hashem is known, whereas previously He wasn't known. If that's the whole point of this, why did Rashi have to say that avramo Avinu told this to Eliezer? Why didn't he just say the fact? Why didn't Rashi just simply say, He could have just said, there's a fact. The fact is that now Hashem is God of heaven and earth. Which is in fact the way it's worded in both the Medosh and the Sifri. The fact that Rashi Dafka wanted us to know that this is information that Avram told Eliezer, so we need to know why do we need that information, that Avram told us to Eliezer. It must be that this principle, that now Hashem is universally recognized, whereas previously He was only known by the spiritual end of the spectrum, is Eliezer, Belavad, not only did Avram Avinu hint this information to Eliezer by changing from saying Elokei Elokei HaOretz initially and now saying Elokei HaOretz, Rashi's telling us that Avram Avinu spelled it out to Eliezer. He must have told him straight, I'm saying Elokei HaOretz to remind you that when I started this journey, nobody knew about Hashem unless it was in Shemayim and now everybody knows. Why is that relevant? The same theme emerges from the fact that Rashi gives us such a wordy explanation. That I made him common, I made him normalized, Hashem normalized between people. But prior to that, nobody knew about him. And his name was not common on earth. Okay, especially using a language over here where you're like talking about Hashem. He's talking to Eliezer about Hashem. If all that Avram Avinu had done differently was to add the words the first time and omit them the second time. And Rashi could have simply said, He could have simply said, Now he's known in heaven and earth. And when I left home, he wasn't known on earth, only in heaven. The fact that Rashi tells us so much detail is to indicate that he's speaking to Eliezer. And he's telling all of this information, to Eliezer, I made Hashem known on earth. Where does Rashi get this from? Where does Rashi pick up anywhere in the Pasuk that Avram was telling this information to Eliezer? Where does Rashi find the details? was Where do you find that in the words? Base next issue in Rashi we have to analyze. As Rashi continues his conversation and he says, When Hashem took me from my father's home at Lech then he wasn't known throughout the world, only in Shomayim. Why do we have to know that it was at that time where Avram HaBinu left home that then dafka? People didn't know about Hashem. Even though you'll say, well, because Rashi's quoting the Possek, right? The Possek said, The Possek said, Hashem was God of the heavens who took me from my father's home. But the truth is, if you look at what the Possek is saying, it sounds totally different to what Rashi's saying. The Pasik makes it sound like Avram is telling Eliezer all the good things that Hashem did to him. He took me away from a toxic environment, my parents' home. And he made promises to me. And the purpose why he would tell this to Eliezer is to say, So don't worry, he'll help you too. That's got nothing to do with explaining why Rashi doesn't say lekei haritz over here. So it seems weird that that, that Rashi is bringing uh, uh, this concept that at the time I left home, that's when nobody knew about Hashem. As part of the conversation about why V'Ramavini didn't say lekei haritz, why is it relevant over here? What's Rashi saying? He says, says Now something changed. What changed? What's changed? Now I have made him commonplace, normal conversation amongst ordinary people. That's how it is now. One message. Now people know about Hashem. But when he describes how it used to be when people were unaware of Hashem, Hysif Rashi Rashi doesn't just say one thing. Instead he says boy. He says that nobody recognized Rashem. and his name wasn't common on the earth. Don't you think it should match up? Then nobody recognized him. Now they recognize him. Rashi's saying, now everybody's used to Hirgaltiv. It's common for them to refer to Hashem. Then they didn't recognize him. Doesn't seem to add up. Dalit. Rashi noiket chodosh Chodoshbifirushe Boy Oilam. It's very interesting. Rashi adds a different expression. First he talks about Bo'i oilam, citizens of the world. Then um Shana Milashaniel mamesh. Then he immediately changes to use a different word. So, Her Galtiv, I made him well known. Why are you talking now about Brios? Before you said, Boy Oila. And then he ends up for the third expression, which is that uh, his name wasn't known on earth. Why do we need these three expressions? And lastly, hey, each of those three expressions referring to, so to speak, three different groups or audiences those who are on earth, those who are, um, those who are cre- creations, and those who come into this world each one has a different expression. Made common, his name wasn't known, or recognized him. So there are various details of this Rashi we really have to understand too. We even call Zeb, in order to address any of these questions, we first have to tackle the big elephant in the room, the big question about what Avram Avinu is talking about. And that is, This is a conversation of Avram Avinu getting Eliezer to go out and find a shiddach for Yitzchok. That is the focus, that is the theme. So how is it here? Why is it relevant at this point to talk about how much Avram has achieved in terms of creating awareness of Hashem? Why is that relevant here? And that's exactly the point. When Avraham binotel do not choose a Canaanite woman for my, for my son. Rather go to my land and to my birthplace. Move on. It's pretty clear at that point. That's clear that Avram Avinu, despite the fact that he lives surrounded or amongst the Canaanim, he doesn't want one of them for his son. It's not just a geographical closeness. It means these are the people that Avram Avinu has influence over, and they are starting to learn or had learned from Avram Avinu about Hashem. And despite that, Yet, despite all that, Avram Avinu still wants a wife who comes from his hometown Why? Must be because Abraham says, yes, the Canaanim are perhaps starting to learn and starting to modify their belief system. But people who come from my hometown are more like me in character. They're more refined as I am. They have similar traits to, to what I have or what my family has. So that's Avraham message to Eliezer. You may be impressed by the Canaanim, but they're not good enough. I want people who resonate, people who are close to us, kindred spirits. Says Eliezer, Eliezer a question. Maybe I'll find her an amazing woman and she won't want to come. So then, you're so fixated that the wife must come from there. Should I take Yitzchak there? I get it, you don't want a woman from here, that's fine. What if the woman from there doesn't want to come here? Is it acceptable to take Yitzchak there? Seeing as it's a place you came from, it's where you were born, it's where you lived. Logic tells me, says Eliezer, that it's okay for me to take your son there. V'kasher Avram Avinu's response comes as a surprise to him. He says, "Not a not a chance. Be absolutely careful. Don't you dare consider taking my son there." Hoya a So Eliyaza must have been completely surprised. What you're saying, Avram Avinu, seems self contradictory. If the place you originated from, the place of your birth, the place of your upbringing, If it's such a brilliant place that that's Dafka, the one place I should go looking for a wife for your son, Why can Yitzchak not go there? It's good enough to produce his spouse. It's not good enough for him to go there. On the other hand, on the other hand, if what you really care about is where you are now, and therefore you don't want Yitzchak to leave because now where you are is so valuable and important, you don't want him to leave. You don't want him to be outside of your jurisdiction, out of your supervision, out of your influence. You don't even want him to go back to that safe haven where you come from, which is good enough to produce his wife. Maybe it would appear that being in your environment trumps being in your hometown. So then, why can we not find a nice Canaanite girl? It doesn't seem to make sense. Your hometown is beautiful and attractive to find a wife, but Yitzchak should never go there. Ah, so that means that where you are now is a great place to be because Yitzchak should be here, but the girls from here are not good enough. Why not? Why not? Shavram O Meliezer, to me also, whether we like it or not, it has to be that Avram Avinu addressed this question. He must have said something to Eliezer to settle this big surprise that he had. Even if the Psukim don't spell out what his response was. That's what Rashi is addressing. Rashi identifies what Avram Avinu said to Eliezer at that point when Eliezer's head was spinning with the apparent contradiction that the wife has to come from a place that Yitzchak can never go to, but she can't come from a place that Yitzchak could never leave. Says Rashi, That's why Rashi straight away says here Avram Avina does not call Hashem Eleke even though previously at the time of the oath he did. Because first of all, that will tell us. What it is that Avram Avinu answered in response to Eliezer's great surprise, or me and automatically from that we'll understand. We will understand that the difference about how once upon a time the world did not know about God and now they do is directly relevant to Eliezer's Shlichas. We thought. These are two totally different topics. Why is this the time to be talking about Avram Avinu's outreach success at a time where he's trying to sort out a shidduch for, Rivka, uh, for Yitzchak? And that's exactly the point. Here's where it's directly relevant, because it will help Eliezer appreciate the dichotomy of choices. Don't take Yitzchak to a place where Rivka has to come from. What does it all mean? Vahabir. Rashi matak b'firusha benakosif azatei voice, Hashem lekei ha'shamayim asher mibeis avi. Rashi quotes from the Possek, Hashem, God of the heavens, who took me from my father's house, and immediately says this. The reality is that Hashem created heaven and earth. So when you're referring to Hashem and Dafka not referring to Hashem as God of the earth, that straight away tells you we are not using the expression. Hashem, God of the heavens, because now we've mentioned Hashem's name, so we have to praise Him. There's more to the story. Even though we see previously that Avram Avinu does exactly that when he refers to Hashem, he adds a, a, a tribute to Hashem. Here it's more than that. That's the first thing Rashi points out. It should have said, Because if you're praising God, you praise Him fully. The God of heaven and of earth, regardless of whether people acknowledge that or not. The fact that Avraham Avinu omitted to say God of earth was to draw our attention to a message. What's the message? Previously when Avraham Avinu um, um, Administered the oath to Eliezer. He then said. Also previously. When he used both expressions. God of heaven and earth seeing as it's in the context of administering the oath to Eliezer. If you're in the middle of taking an oath, which requires Hashem's name, you should not now interrupt your oath by adding on some accolades. That's why Rashi included the word vashbiach in his explanation because now I know the context. A man is taking an oath and he should do it seamlessly without adding nice-to-haves into the mix so that it sounds really good. No, you've got to make your oath and get on with it. Again, to highlight that at the time of taking the oath, referring to Hashem as God of heaven and earth, was also not just simply a tribute. It's a message in either case. At the time of the oath, there's one message. At the time of the dispatch of Elias to actually fulfill his mission, there's another message. Therefore we have to conclude In both cases, how he describes Hashem either as God of just the heavens here or God of heaven and earth in the previous pasuk. In both cases, that information is directly relevant to the message from Avram of Teh Eliezer. This will answer Eliezer's befuddlement, how come it's good enough to find a wife from a place that's not good enough to take take Yitzchak? That's why Rashi added the extra words. This is what Avram Avinu explained to Eliezer. We're not just having an explanation for our benefit as to why the words are different. But this is a conversation that happened from Avram Avinu to Eliezer to help clarify things for Eliezer considering that Avram Abinu changed the language usage. First, earlier, at the time of the oath, referring to Hashem as God of heaven and earth, and here only as God of heaven, it must be that those words carry the key to understanding what Avram Abinu was explaining to Eliezer. Eliezer, what do you need to know? You need to know that life is different to how it was, and that has relevance to our conversation. So what did he say using Rashi's words? Now Hashem is acknowledged as God of heaven and of earth because I have normalized Hashem in the, word, in the mouth of all people. Once we know that, now we know that the world is normalized. The concept of God is normal in the world. Now we can understand, firstly, why Avram does not want a Canaanite for his son. The fact is that right now Hashem is known. Here, where Avram Avinu lives, how, because Avram Avinu did such a fantastic job of marketing Hashem to the world, Still, that message had not yet permeated the headspace of the girls of Canaan deeply enough that they would become suitable as potential brides for Yitzchak. That's what Rashi is telling us: how much awareness of Hashem is there in this region? Here, Befi, which means in and it's something which is normalized. Where befia lip service, they will all say the right words. They will all now acknowledge Hashem's supremacy. But it hasn't seeped through into their behavior, so they're not there yet. How dare they? How dare you consider them as a potential wife for Yitzchak? They don't behave in line with the principle of Hashem velekei but when Hashem took me from my father's home, at that time there was no consciousness of Hashem in the world at all. People were not conscious of Hashem, and Hashem's name was not consistently used in this in this world we live in. So, so the girls here are not good enough because they haven't yet totally digested the principle of Hashem's control. So they pay lip service, they don't apply it in practice. But then my father's house, not, they my, my whole impact on the world started after I left. So they haven't even started this process yet. Avraham says, Eliezer, you need to understand. By the time I left home, they still thought of Hashem as abstract. God in the heavens. But He has outsourced everything else to other entities. And that's what affects us here on earth. And that's where they still live. That's why he adds and he says, you have to know that those people had not yet acknowledged Hashem and Hashem's name hadn't become normal in the earth. Still in the heavens, it's an abstract concept. So there's the answer to Eliezer. Eliezer, the girls here are not good enough. The girls there at least have good character traits. That's what I want to find for Yitzchak. But Yitzchak is not going there because that is a place that remains devoid of consciousness of Hashem. Now, we asked, why all these different expressions? Why does Rashi use all these different expressions? is a great illustration of how precise Rashi's language is, literally word-perfect. Very briefly, but in the chronological order that they appear, and that the history happened. The Torah tells us in the time of Enosh Ozu Chaldikroy Besheim Hashem, at that time, people started to make Hashem's name mundane. Piresh Rashi says, What does it mean? They took what is a name that should be reserved only for God and they began to apply it to all kinds of ordinary mundane things. They started to refer to people by the name of Hashem, they started to make deities out of items. That's what happened. That was the decline of monotheism into polytheism. What did Avram Avinu do? The first thing that Avram Avinu did is he called out in the name of Hashem as God of the world, which means, Piresh Rashi, Rashi explains, So Avram Avinu had the whole system where you came, you got a meal, and then at the end it was fantastic, and you either paid the bill or you acknowledged Hashem. So what did Avram Avinu succeed in doing? Poal Oz, he affected people, that they should become conscious. The food that you're eating is not my food. The food comes from he who created the entire world. In other words, he facilitated an awareness for people, that the whole world belongs to its God, God of the world. So Alpikal and I'll move on, which helps us to understand as follows, that there's a there's a process that happened over here. Asher number one, In the time of Enosh, they still were conscious of Hashem's name, but they completely degraded the value of that name, and they attributed the name of Hashem to other deities as well. Which indicates that they knew the name, but they didn't recognize the value of what that name represents. They didn't recognize Hashem. Bayes, second step. Before Avram Avinu educated people, they all believed we eat the product of our own hands. We're the masters of our destinies. So they, they got into a headspace which says everything is either my doing or your doing. Which means that the name of Hashem That previously in the time of Enosh They at least were aware of Was now slipping away And people were completely forgetting The concept that Hashem even exists And certainly not that Hashem directs anything Gimel, as a result of that If you take the two points You put them together They recognize that there is a God Up there in heaven far away from us but those who enter and live in the world, before Avram Avinu encountered and educated them, they didn't even recognize Hashem at all. They believed that whatever they had was the success of their own hands, seeing as it's not common that when you're on earth you should speak about heaven that's why Hashem's name was not, Rogel wasn't common on earth even though they recognized his name it wasn't common that they should speak about it the wording of Rashi is very precise, there's a process over here they knew his name, but they didn't recognize the value of the name, and therefore it wasn't Rogil for them to speak about the name. And Avram Avinu reversed that. Hey, Avram es Not only did Avram Avinu recreate consciousness and awareness of Hashem's name, and yes al but he made it normal again to speak about Hashem even on earth. Here on earth, it became normal thanks to Avram Avinu, to acknowledge Hashem as God, not in a far distant reality called Shemayim, but here on earth. How did he succeed in doing it? Because every time somebody ate in Avram Avinu's house, number one, number one, he said, What you're eating is not the product of your hand or of my hand, but it's the product of Hashem's blessings. Second, secondly, Say say it. Say it. Bless him with your mouth. and then lastly, There They were those people that Avram Abinu, so to speak, made into adherents of monotheism while he was in Choron. Rashi explains that he literally converted them. Hare Kiro boy. Now they were no longer just saying the words like when they were in Avram's free hotel, but they actually started to recognize Hashem again. So the Brio is the ordinary folk who just passed through his tent on occasion. Avram got them to acknowledge with their mouths that Hashem is God. But those that he engaged with personally, them he got to be makir to actually recognize Hashem. And that's the message Avraham is telling Eliezer. So you have to know Eliezer that I've had an effect and there are people, but it's just lip service. Yeah, in Canaan, it's lip service, so we cannot find a woman from Canaan to be Yitzchak's wife. My land that I come from, they're still living there. It's Elokei HaShemayim, they don't even have the lip service yet, so Yitzchak cannot go there. But somewhere in that land, there'll be a person who has the kind of traits that I had when I lived there, which made me susceptible and open to the appropriate level of acknowledgement of Hashem. That's the wife I'm looking for. Now, this concept solves for the understanding of Rashi at a simplistic level, but there's always the deeper message too. He has a question. Avram Avinu's so called current effect or success was to make Hashem God back on earth again. The fact that Hashem is acknowledged as a is always in, in play; it never gets disrupted. Why does Rashi have to tell it to us? What's actually self evident? Now he is a But when I was taken from my father's home, at that point he was only a and not a Why do you have to tell me all of that? Like, why didn't he just say it short and sweet? Now Hashem is also acknowledged as God of earth. And when I left home, he wasn't. Why do I have to have the mixed into the whole conversation? This explanation is. As long as Avram Avinu was not in Eretz Yisrael when he was in Choron, nobody could detect Avram Avinu's greatness, and it couldn't really impact the world. At that point, Avram Avinu's greatness was concealed, like a chokmah, like a brand new concept, as it pops into your head. The details are still concealed. That's why he was called Avram at that time, which means Av-Rom something which is Rom, which is elevated, which is out of our pay grade, which is beyond our consciousness. That's also why Choron, both uh, from an auditory perspective, sounds like Goroin, is similar to Goron, and as the Gemachia of Goron, the throat, which represents the bottleneck between Chokmah, wisdom, understanding, and the real experience of that understanding. So that's Avraham Avinu. All the greatness is there, but it's not experienced in a revealed, tangible, accessible way. <laughs> so what kind of impact spiritually did Avramovino have at that stage of the game outside of Eretz Royal? So what kind of impact spiritually did Avraham have at that stage of the game outside of Avram Avinu's avoider was able to bolster the already holy energy in the highest realm called Atsilos, but it wasn't able to bring any of that energy down into the lower world, certainly not into this physical world. So Avram Avinu is doing great things in the spiritual realms, no impact on our experience. So let's have a cash on mine. But now Hashem turns to him and says, Leave all of that and go El HaOretz, which doesn't just mean to the geographical location of a land, which I'll tell you more details about at a later point. But it's Israel, He comes to the physical realm, Represented here by, their, by Eretz Israel. Now the floodgates open and all the grand spiritual achievement of Avram Avinu is able to flow down to the level of Midois And even into Oretz, into the lowest level of all Malchus, which is always compared to Oretz. At that point, everything that Avram Avinu was able to achieve at the highest realms became accessible even here on earth. Now we can understand why it's relevant to say that now he is God of heaven and of earth. It's not just to highlight that now earth is also on board. And why it's important to emphasize that before Lech Lecha, he was God in the heaven and not on earth. Every part of that detail is relevant. Despite the fact that even when Avram still lived in Lechor, and he was teaching and marketing godliness to the world. Whatever Avram Avinu did was still, so to speak, in, in a concealed way that didn't yet change and impact and transform our world. That's why Avram Avinu doesn't only say, when I left home, Hashem was not yet detected on earth. But he specifies when I left home he was a lekei Shamaim, but not of earth. Shum because what he's alluding to is, as long as I was still in Beis Avi, I made an impact in Shamayim. I revealed godliness in Shamayim. It's just that at that stage, none of the impact in Shamayim could have any influence on earth. And now we understand why he says, Now Hashem is Eleke shamayim and HaOretz. Not only to tell us that the shamayim influences the Oretz, but to tell us that there's an upgrade to Eleke shamayim as well. Because what he's alluding to is that now Eleke HaShemayim also gets upgraded. The fact that Avram Avinu now impacts Atsilos to flow into the lower realms as well, how does that happen? It's because Avram Avinu brought into the world of Atsilos a dimension that is even beyond Atsilos, what we're calling Avijah Helem de Chokma so to speak, the hidden concept of where that spark of brilliance is going to come from. As long as Avraham Avinu was in Charon, all of what he brought into the realm of Atsilus was all calibrated to suit the hierarchy called Hishtar the spiritual hierarchy of all of existence. But as soon as Hashem tells Avram, I'm going to leave home, which doesn't just mean leave home, doesn't just mean here's your mission, but it means here is the empowerment to fulfill your mission, to leave Choran and go to Eretz Israel. Then whatever was this high, lofty level called Avram and was off the radar, nobody could detect it, suddenly becomes revealed. Because Hashem now exposes to Avram an even deeper, more hidden, higher dimension of godliness that even Avram couldn't have reached. And because of that, that then creates a, a, a bridge between the source of emanation of all energy and all the things that are produced by that energy. Which then caused the possibility, and not only the possibility, but the reality of dimensions of godliness flowing into the world that are completely outside of the entire structure and spectrum of existence. So now we realize not only he has now Avram been who succeeded in bringing Godliness into Eretz, but he's succeeded in bringing a higher dimension of Godliness into Shamayim. It's because there's a higher dimension that is now available to Atsilus. That's what has opened the sluice gates. That's what's opened the possibility of the greatness of Atsilus filtering into our world as well. Now, in spite of all the great achievements of Avraham it's still not yet where we are. Seeing as this is prior to the giving of the Torah, and only after the giving of the Torah was it possible to completely bring the higher realm into the lower and elevate the lower realm to the higher. In spite of the fact, obviously, that Avram was what opened the possibility for the giving of the Torah. So Avram was not yet able to change the essence of the things that he was able to impact, to change the essence of the world. At that stage, it wasn't yet possible that the world could actually recognize Hashem. All that he was capable of doing is creating. This normalization of Hashem within the context of the world. But to bring consciousness in the world, that is our avoider after Matan Torah. In with Hashem we should fulfill that avoider and therefore reveal that consciousness and that it occurs in the world with the coming of Mashiach now.